0: stories within stories meanings that point upwards the cross behind the camera we're josh and brandon and this is crossover collab director's cut Superb!
1: Fantastic. That was an actual bit of audio from uh, from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh my gosh! Got, you got the um, copyright. Don't talk to me about copyright. <laughs> I've had a <laughs> I've had a lot of headaches over that. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, um, we've started finally started our uh, crossover casual series on youtube so if you fancy something a bit more toned down um where we just spout all the the crazy uh craziness brain yeah brain dumps yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then then head over there if you want to hear something a bit less civilized i suppose and a bit less <laughs> uh, thought through um yeah. uh, for a lot of that I, uh, I had to do something that I never thought I would do in my entire life which is to try and uh, wrestle with John Williams' score um, for some Lego Star Wars um, because YouTube was like wait a minute we recognise that um, and it was it was, uh, it was the most heart-wrenching thing I laughed at the idea when we were recording of doing something over the top of John Williams and then for like half the episode I had to just demolish the star wars score. <laughs> so yeah, don't talk to me about copyright. It's uh <laughs> still yeah, a bit sore. <laughs> I <bet. laughs>
0: well, I mean, we could have just given the the rights and the money to John Williams. But I mean, no. You know, <laughs> I think he's already made enough from those what what are those films
1: that he did that made uh, him so popular? Oh, um I oh. think there's one with a flying dude in it with like a red cape. There's uh, one yes. about one about this little like alien thing that had like a weird finger. Um try <laughs> to think what else. Oh, you did one with that um that neckbeard dude. Um uh, yes. with the fedora, you know? And yes. the the that little what is it, little rope thing. The- and he went he went to uh went to a nearby like forest or something nearby zoo. um I see. Hold up. Searching for the gift shop or something. See, I think, I think <laughs> that was it. Uh, it was set in an Indiana Zoo. Uh, <laughs> Mister Jones and the Indiana Gift Shop, something like that. <laughs> that was a really good score.
0: That was a fantastic. Oh, he did Star Trek. That was it. It was Star Trek. That my Remi- spark yes. you know
1: what i've been spoofing it this whole time <laughs> but when you said Star Trek i gen genuinely my blood boiled for a second and we've been just joking about it mm-hmm. oh my goodness it's okay
0: it's okay I know you don't cite right the now.
1: deep magic to me which I was there when it was written
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> yes nice um so all of that brilliant um but what
1: we're talking about Today is Avatar, which Which has its own brilliant score. I hasten to add. Oh for definite. It's
0: I was blown away. I basically watched the entirety of Avatar in basically a week. I have never binge watched a show so much in my life. (laughs) Um and it's crazy because I didn't realise how old it was. It was like we were literal kids. Like, mm. So so small when they came out, and yeah. I think it's aged very well, and it's still, still going. I know many people, many adults are absolutely huge fans. I was even just talking to my mate earlier. He said his girlfriend and everyone keeps telling him to watch it. He's like, oh, but it's a cartoon. I was like, hey, <laughs> I was like, I don't watch cartoons, and I was a little dubious at first, even with your recommendation, Josh, <laughs> but. I was like, Do you know what, let's just give a couple of episodes. Let's give it a try, Benefit of the Doubt. And wow, one of my absolute favorite shows. So good recommendation. And I mean, I don't even know why you're here. If you haven't seen Avatar, if you haven't, just take a week, watch all three seasons and then come back and listen to this podcast. That That's all, that's all I'm saying. All right, please watch it. So, um, I think the reason why it works so well, particularly as what's considered a kid show like yeah, kids can watch it, but I think why it works so well, in the same regard, I think as Shrek almost in that like it you kids can get away with it, but it's got it's grounded so much that adults can have a good time,
1: yeah, um, yeah. I
0: think Avatar definitely supports that and, and offers that because it offers fantastic character arcs and the way that it does storytelling is just such high quality. Um, hmm. And you're it, so it's invested. Like,
1: yeah, it doesn't insult your intelligence as a viewer, nah. but then it's also so simple that a kid can understand it and follow it along. Yeah. Um, Which is definitely, it's the mark of a, a really good story that appeals to all ages and um yeah Yeah. it's it's brilliantly done i mean the Mm -hmm. the pacing of it and everything like um if you think of like the first probably the first half of season one Mm -hmm. and how it sets up all the characters and all their motivations and things um because at first you know it runs the risk of making the bad guys feel one-dimensional um especially zuko when he's uh, he's chasing down the avatar it's like oh why does he care so much about getting the avatar and then of course you find out pretty quickly why he wants the avatar
0: yeah.
1: um and i love that there's there's no one character uh, in that show that at least doesn't get their reasoning explained um yeah, yeah, we there are some characters that like we know why they are the way they are and we still don't like them Uh, Mm -hmm. such as like fire lord ozai Mm -hmm. and um to an extent azula i I know there are some people who are a fan of the character but she is very much portrayed as like someone who seemingly has it all together and is really mean but she's learned to do that as like a self-defense mechanism and as a result is really lonely and like a split second away from like coming completely psychologically undone like we see yeah. towards the end of the show yeah um so yeah that's um i mean zuko is an obvious one you know trying to win back the approval of his father and then he mm-hmm. realizes that actually his father's approval doesn't mean anything to him because he sees iroh as his real father figure yeah and, and and then he realizes what it is to live for himself and to to live by honor and uh, it's an absolute meme isn't it the whole like honor 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 yeah um but it's a huge part of this arc um Mm -hmm. and yeah you can do it with with any any character in the show even even the cabbages guy um has like (laughs) Like cabbages (laughs) like he has at least a bit of a fleshed out character you know he appears in different locations it's like this guy's cabbages He's gotta earn a living, you know? And, and you
0: feel for him. You really feel. Yeah, you're like
1: he's right at the end of his tether. He's just The Avatars saving the day, but at what cost? I'll tell you what oh. the cost is. This guy's cabbages. <laughs> Do you
0: think the storyline of Captain America Civil War was just basically like inspired by the cabbage guy? It's like they think they're heroes, <laughs> but they're destroying the place.
1: Yeah, basically. I
0: think yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, it's funny, actually, Why you're saying that, I think Uncle Iroh... We, we focus on Zuko's um, redemption and his character arc, but I think it might be briefly overlooked, the arc of Iroh as well, because mm, he pretty yeah. much goes through, I think, a less dramatic and extreme transition But at the end of the day, like particularly when he talks about being a general and trying to take on uh, Ba Sing Se,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and how he suddenly, like particularly going into Legend of Korra, he's like, and spoilers if you haven't seen that, um, like how he's in the spirit world and how he's just like part of the White Lotus and guiding and helping the Avatar and fully for the Avatar. Um, so I guess he almost has his own arc and it's so beautiful that the relationship between him and zuko kind of create that um
1: yeah i mean there's plenty of people who've done like video essays on the subject so i'm, I'm not going sure to <laughs> not to steal their thunder but um iroh is a classic case of like what what it means to be like an honorable man kind of yeah, thing yeah definitely um it like really explores the idea of toxic masculinity to begin with. Like he only, he only cares about power and destruction and, and like being given that, um, honor and reputation as like, um, a military title sort of thing. And when he holds onto that thing of being called the dragon of the West and stuff, um, and how he's the general who nearly took down Sing Se, and that's all that mattered to him for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was after losing his son Lu Ten that um yeah. that he began to realize that his true worth of a man was in like being a father and exactly leaving a legacy and leaving the world better than it was when he was in it sort of thing and and that actually the true strength of a man comes from restraint and patience yeah. as well as from like uh physical strength exactly um, because yeah. he is like by the end a very emotionally well-rounded character he's able very. to he's able to cry and able to mourn his son but he's also able to embrace happiness he's at peace and mm-hmm. all of that he's patient with people he's kind and he's also just like he knows when when a like a villain needs to be stopped yeah, um exactly. hence why he helps suko fight his own father really and yeah and iroh's brother um yeah. So yeah it's uh he is uh, i I would agree that to an extent it's uh, it's overlooked. I don't think as a character he is by any means No uh, ev- everyone loves him. Um Yeah. I think
0: with me saying that I think in comparison to Zuko's um kind of arc and redemption and perhaps his whole character traits I feel like and I, f- I think reasonably Iro's in the background of that a little bit, which makes sense because obviously it's way more compelling that someone like Zuko has gone through such a big transition. Um, but I think it's a really interesting point um, that you mentioned with Iroh anyway. And obviously I haven't come across as much content that really unpacks a lot of his character development and, and who he is. Mm. But you mentioned in the whole... Um, really demonstrating good masculine traits. It's like, I think that's why I find him such an admirable character. and why, Yeah. Like, it's so touching. I love this. And I mean, we find, obviously, I'm not going to fully compare, but I think we obviously find these kind of attributes in the beauty of Jesus as well. Because yeah, he, definitely. You know, the whole cliche of an old wise man. Obviously, we know that Jesus was like, 30 years old before um he was killed but the i think through what he's demonstrated there's this fantastic like blend of masculine and feminine traits but i i I feel like a lot of good masculine traits we often assume are just pure feminine um but i guess with jesus being like the sun, like the you know the incarnate God, and God being both male and female, and influencing both those attributes, I think we can definitely see Jesus demonstrating both sides more so. Um, but I think it's just beautiful, like like with Iroh when he's obsessed with tea, he loves tea and mm. playing games, um, and he offers sound advice. And he's very nurturing. And as you said, he he cries. Um, But there's also like that moment where he's breaking out of the prison and the fire nation. And he's like, yeah. And he's yeah. Yeah. And he's ready to fight and stuff like that. Like there's a a fantastic balance that makes him so admirable. And you could even Mm. say the same from what we know of Jesus through doctrine. And that is, look, he he cried. He cried over his friend. He he loved to embrace people and hug. And he was like a very soft-natured um, and compassionate man, which is what we often don't associate with bruising masculinity nowadays. Um, but obviously, on the other side, he didn't take crap. He was mm. certainly strong enough to go to the cross and die there for us, particularly yeah. when he didn't, need to when he still had the opportunity to be saved or not take on that responsibility, Um, but he did. So I feel like there's this lovely thing of, I think particularly we as men definitely take a look at someone like Jesus and we see his character and his attributes demonstrated through, although a fictional character of Iroh, I think it's still humbling and, and lovely to like see that as a an admirable character that we can at least learn from and perhaps hmm. um, value and kind of look at him and go, I want to be more like that as opposed to just like a brooding, yeah. toxic masculinity kind of thing.
1: Uh I mean, it's very telling as well that so many people online talking about Iroh, they talk about how he's like a father that they never had. Um, I see that. Like, they they watch Avatar and they, it's almost like a parasocial relationship they have with this character. Hmm. Um, And they, like, refer to Iroh's wisdom and stuff that, uh, all his sayings and things and they're like, oh man, I wish like, I'd had someone in my life like that. Yeah. And it is interesting that you say a lot of these characteristics are found in God. And obviously, you know, with him creating humans in his image, it's natural that, you know, he has all the best traits that humans can have. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that actually, especially in like generations of people that, um, lack those traits or like maybe lack one parent or the other, um, and where people are like being brought up by tv almost and like netflix and stuff um that a character like that people like fills the void for a lot of people Mm. um and that actually that's the same sort of um same sort of relationship i think christians talk about with with god um, that actually you know he's there to give us good advice through his word and he's there to comfort us in times when we're struggling he like he gives us the strength to to fight through trials and stuff, but he still expects us to fight and trains us for that, I suppose. Um, in the same way that Iroh kind of trains Suko and goes, actually, there is some stuff that I can't do for you. And yeah. there are some things that are your fight. Um yeah. in some respects God's already done all the work, you know? Like he's yeah. Yeah. he's fought for our freedom um and kind of took the the weight of sin uh, and dealt with it and he paid the price that was our debt you know um and even that, like it's something so mysterious how how he even managed to do that through his sacrifice that like Mm -hmm. we couldn't even hope to do it off our own backs um but then he gives us very specific commands to go and love people and spread the gospel and to be examples um and that means that we have our own battles to fight. And, of course, God will be with us. He will never leave us. Um, but he also gives us that sort of, yeah, that, that training and uh, discipline to to know, like, when to fight and also when to be still. Mm-hmm. Um, much like we see in Iroh. Um, yeah. So it, they're um, obviously, you know, they're, they're not the same. Um, no. <laughs> no. Iroh is only going to be, at best, a pale reflection exactly. of, of what jesus is yeah. and of course um it's important to recognize that a lot of the philosophy in avatar is based on eastern religions and, yeah, exactly. uh, particularly like buddhism taoism uh, that sort yeah. of thing and i mean even with the allusion to uh, chakras and stuff and um, with mm-hmm. the more martial arts side of things um and the guru like that's straight up hinduism um yeah. so you know it's it's a blend more of um, eastern um mysticism that's the word i was going to yeah. say mythos but no it's not mythos it's mm-hmm. mysticism is, um yeah. so that is something i suppose supposed to be wary of you know we um of you don't uh, like um which is why i think when when it comes to applying the lessons in in it it's a case of um kind of separating it out to see like what's the kind of common message that anyone can take away from this yeah um and I think even when you look at how that stuff is presented, like um Aang choosing love over power, yes. um, yeah. unlike uh Fire Lord Ozai, who chose power over love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in two like um foil characters um initially. Um
0: yeah.
1: But I think the, yeah. the,
0: the demonstration of the show in general well, this is kind of like a I'm kind of bridging the gap a bit too much. I know it's not fully connected, but I think even the style of Avatar in general, like, it's both Americanized and still rooted in some, like, anime um, kind of art style. So it, I feel mm. like it has... Like almost even in the way it's presented, it kind of bridges this thing between like Eastern culture, Western culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I um, mean the soundtrack as well. Um, yes, is yeah. uh uses a lot of ethnic instruments, particularly the kalimba. Um, yeah, from Africa. Um, the ahu from China. Um, and of course taiko drums from Japan. Um, so yeah, even even in the musical makeup, but then it also uses um like harmonies and melodies that are both creating its own musical world Mm -hmm. um, of those four nations, but also something that is... um, It's not alien to Western audiences as well. So it's a very uh, accessible aesthetic. Exactly. And
0: I feel that's why some of these more Eastern-influenced messages and ideas... I think can be very digestible to western audiences um,
1: yeah totally and, and I- uh, it's not like this scary thing of like because uh, i think that's a, a particularly with christians um mm-hmm. when when we look at because you know initially it seems like because it's the other side of the world and emerge from a completely different history to us mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ideas that initially seem like inaccessible um yeah or even like dangerous you know like Mm -hmm. um there are a lot of a lot of christians that yeah just if anything is remotely like implying any sort of eastern philosophy they're like get that off um and it's important to recognize you know when when there is something that's depicting a different worldview so that you know like which bits to challenge which bits to think about more um yeah. And of course, you know there's wisdom in in every way of looking at the world. Um, so it's not to just straight up reject it because you find there's a lot of commonality. Like e- even in a show that has a lot of uh, themes that come from obviously that that sort of like Zen culture almost. Um, yeah. there's still that common message of like love being greater than power, which I think would be the central thesis of the show. Um, yes. yeah. and and like that's the greatest kind of honor you know if you're going to relate that to zuko that actually love and self-sacrifice yeah. takes precedence over power and personal gain mm-hmm. so even that idea that's something that's central to christianity where um god has you know all the infinite power of the universe um and yet he still chose to sacrifice himself and why mm-hmm. because it was out of love um yeah as a genuine expression of love mm-hmm but of course not all the ideas translate in the same way you know we've talked about Iroh as an example he's not going to 100% demonstrate the character of Christ because well first off he wasn't written to be the character of Christ yeah. um the show the show writers weren't like oh yes let's make this an allegory for Christianity <laughs> yeah, exactly. um where uh, taking themes in the show and then applying them to you know Uh, christian exegesis i suppose Mm -hmm. and seeing where the commonalities are yeah um so yeah even when we're looking at say um avatar ang how Mm. he rejects power in order to embrace love kind of thing Um, if you think of that scene where he's unlocking his chakras and you abstract it away it's like he gets access to this ultimate power but he rejects the ultimate power um, and that is similar in some ways to Jesus, how he had all the armies of heaven at his disposal, and he talks about he says very plainly to the guards when he's being arrested in Gethsemane, he says mm-hmm. to his disciples, if I wanted to, I could have a hundred angels, like a legion of angels, come yep. to my aid and fight these guys off, but mm-hmm. I'm this is like we'll this is the Father's will. Yeah, yeah and and so i'm going to let myself be captured so in a way that's kind of the rejection of ultimate power but yeah. at the same time we still believe that god always had infinite exactly. power available to him at all times so yes. the question of he he doesn't have to reject ultimate power sort of yeah. thing he, he has it he has omnipotence and that yeah. i think is part of what's so special about it um compared to avatar ang you know like Ang had the choice between gaining ultimate power and um still having earthly connections. Yeah. Um but God chose uh, to save humans despite having that ultimate power. Exactly. Um which I think is even more special.
0: Oh, 100%. I am um, well as, as Aquinas put it, the best way to understand stuff is analogically and it's like knowing what is to be learned of God through kind of what we know and through our um, natural understanding of God's world, but also very much realizing that an analogy can't give you a full or even a general comprehension of who God really is still. And so like there's that balance of understanding, like the generalization of what it implies, but also don't take it to the, the extreme of okay now i can comprehend god because you Mm, can't like yeah we are human beings that are so differentiated um in the capacity of who he is and and who we are so i think that's a very well demonstrated point with with the whole um power love dynamic um because yeah i think even in jesus being fully man although fully divine he still chose to to act like and be present as a full man so you could also demonstrate that we could also argue that he could have had access to a more divine state the avas- the avatar state if you will <laughs> um, yeah. He technically could have had that like I said with a legion of a- angels but he decided to embrace love and pain um over that so yeah i think there's definitely a great element where we can we can learn. Um, and and I'm a little sensitive with like taken themes. I think from a sh- I think for a show, um, specifically like Avatar, I think that quite clearly, as we said, embraces both Eastern and Western culture. I think it's perfectly acceptable to adapt that and to kind of take pieces of that. I don't feel like all doctrine should be taken with an approach of I just take what I want. But I oh, feel yeah. like. Obviously well, the that's short. the
1: thing. It's that you you start with an an exegesis yeah. first, and exactly. uh, so it's not like it's not like we didn't believe in any of this stuff before exactly. we watched Avatar. It's like we believe in this stuff, and then we Observe find that. the patterns in yeah. things that we see in the world, and that is part of, I suppose, how. I mean, it's not proof that something is universally true just because you see it everywhere, but mm-hmm. the fact that you can you can see part of parts of Christian thinking in even secular culture, I mm-hmm. think speaks a lot to at least the human condition. Um, yeah. I mean, it's something that CS Lewis mentions about, uh, the innate desire. Well, not the innate desire because we don't desire it, but the innate mm-hmm. knowledge of fair play and yeah. how every culture, um, whether they accept it or reject it, um, every culture and every individual has an innate knowledge of what fair play looks like mm. and so the the only difference is culture like what what specifically that looks like yeah. um so there might be differences of customs but they're all fit fa- they're all boiled down to the same concepts yeah completely. um so yeah it's it, kind of like when we're when we're looking at you know all all the different cultures represented in Avatar. It's a case of like when you boil it down, what is the kind of philosophy of the show? Exactly. And and knowing like um, it's a kind of uh, this is something I think it would make my computing teacher happy to know. Um, he uh he taught us about this process that you've got to do in programming called abstraction. Hmm. Um, so you start you start with a problem. And then you apply a process of decomposition because you can't tackle the whole problem in one go. Mm. Um, as Nathan Finocchio says, how do you eat an elephant piece by piece? Um, <laughs> so you, um, yeah. you cut the problem up into smaller sub-problems and then you abstract away all the stuff that doesn't matter or the stuff that is just clutter. and you you're purely thinking about the bare bones of the problem so that you can you know actually program something so it's not a monster of a problem Mm -hmm. in the same way i feel like you can do that with any kind of fictional story um because at the heart of it there is a message that the creator is trying to convey it might be something simple it might not even be important to them like there's a lot of films i've seen um particularly if it's just like a fun little action film or whatever. Mm-hmm. usually the film even if it does have a moral to the story it's not important it's it's secondary no. to like the experience yeah um but there is still you know that sentiment that's being conveyed and then it's layered with a bunch of other stuff um so you know we've talked about star wars and we didn't mention about the theological significance of lightsabers you know <laughs> yeah, um exactly. because we understand that's something that's abstract it's yeah. um it's not used to contribute to the overall meaning of the text. Hmm. Um, so, in the same way with Avatar, you know, you can abstract away the whole waterbending and uh, element stuff, and you can abstract away the the four nations. and And when you start focusing on the characters themselves, you see the human condition in in each and every one of them, um, yeah. and that personal struggle that they each have. Um, which I think is what's so beautiful about the show um, is that it's something that kids might not even notice because of all of that abstract information that's kind of loaded around it. Um, mm. But at the heart of the story, it's it's something that can be so helpful for kids. Like, yeah, I, I imagine all the like class clowns, you know, growing up, seeing soccer, someone who's like so upbeat and making yeah. jokes all the time. And then they see that actually, they see why he does it. And they might be able to identify a bit of that in themselves as to why they want to make people laugh. Maybe it's because they've had a hard life and they want to make people feel happy. Maybe it's to distract from, uh, maybe it's to make themselves um, feel more wanted or feel more accepted in a group uh, because they feel like an outcast, kind of like soccer. Um, And it's stuff that, you know, kids can be watching and they might not even know that they're doing this, but they can relate it to themselves. It's surprising. Um, Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think to kind of sum up that point, um, yeah, we, we don't base our theology off of an individual show and we, we don't try and make it say something that we want it to say. It's just a case of finding those patterns, abstracting away things we don't think is relevant and actually looking for, oh, yeah, um, there are some common ideas in here with what I already believe. And sometimes even something that can challenge what you believe without, destroying it you know it can it can test your thinking or make you consider another perspective um and just because you consider something doesn't mean that you assimilate it you know yeah
0: which is i think what so many people are intimidated by and scared of in in a lot of churches today um which is for for me it's like if you are so scared to even simply look uh, another form of uh, another culture, another form of this certain practice. Are you really rooted in doctrine and spirit? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because the thing is, like, don't go wrong, we still need to be mindful of how we behave, what we look at, and yeah, not to totally. as- assimilate it. But I mean, there's so much. I've heard scholars literally like encourage people to read old mythology, to read surrounding cultural stuff like particularly canaanite cultural um stories and how actually it's surprising how that can relate to the old testament and how a a lot of what i mean even the laws in uh, leviticus they tend to reference canaanite culture to differentiate themselves from them the only way that they can know that was to know canaanite culture
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Otherwise, we're, we're sat here scratching our heads going, why the heck is this a law? That's so weird. Like, because we we need to learn the cultures around it. And I think, as we've demonstrated before as well, there's some things that just don't have any um, virtuous or, or moral significance. Um, it purely just is. In terms of, like, hmm. art, art is one of those things that I feel like can really summarise different cultural values. Um, sorry, not values, but, like, um, portrayals as such. My hmm. main thing is, like, for instance, I've, I've been inside an Orthodox church in Romania, and the art style was so different to what I was used to on the walls of that and on the ceiling. And it was beautiful. It was so refreshing to see that perspective. I know that there's many churches, particularly Orthodox ones, um, that really prioritize different cultural artistic expressions of Christianity, of uh, particular stories of the Bible, but they still have the exact same depiction. It's just something like different colors or shapes or you know what I mean? Like a different depiction kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. But it's the exact same thing. And like, so I feel we can firstly embrace different cultural um, expressions. I think that's the word more so that I'm going for. Mm. But as you said, if it's something that you think at first opposes it, I think you'd be surprised. Well, firstly, how and why does it oppose it? And secondly... Is it in full opposition? Because at the end of the day, as C.S. Lewis puts it, with the idea of natural law being there, there's obviously something that's part of that shares the human condition, that shares our love still for justice, for community, and for the overall um, longing for God.
1: yep, yep there's one with a flying dude in it. Mr. Jones in the Indiana gift shop. Alien thing that had like a weird finger. Wait a minute, we recognize that. honor, 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 Lightsabers.
0: It was Star
1: Trek. Wait a minute, we recognize that? Lightsabers.